All right, good evening, everybody. Thank you for joining us tonight here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett. This is my wife, Sherry. We're going to be continuing our Bible study tonight on the Believer's Authority by Andrew Womack, the author. And so we're still in Chapter 1 tonight. Uh, we're in a spiritual battle. We'll get back to that in just a moment. Uh, just so you know, we do have a special guest tonight, our, our new puppy that we're training. So we apologize in advance for any distractions we may have. Uh, tonight as we uh, are training our puppy. So um, so we apologize for that in advance. You know, we're still training her. Uh, she's still learning. So uh, anyway, uh, just so you know, all of our previous Bible studies, you can find them archived. They're on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org, as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And we thank you for those who have been supporting us financially, uh, lighthousediscipleship.org. And so... Anyway, so like I said, we're <coughs> excuse me, continuing our Bible study tonight on the Believer's Authority by Andrew Womack. Now, uh, this is was the first teaching, first book, first introduction uh, altogether that I was introduced to Andrew Womack. <coughs> this was around two thousand nine ish, whatnot. Anyway, uh, so this was my first introduction uh, about spiritual warfare and. Uh, and uh, we've been covering so far in the first chapter how we are in a spiritual battle. You know, it's important that we understand that. We're not fighting against one another. We are in a spiritual battle. And the, weapon, the Bible says in Second Corinthians chapter 10 <coughs> that the weapons of our warfare are, are, are spiritual. You know, we're just a, we are in a spiritual battle, so we have spiritual weapons. You know, um, and we're going to be uh, uh, attacking or addressing spiritual warfare probably from a different perspective you've heard before. You know, um, we're not here to magnify God. I mean, uh, excuse me, that's backwards. We're not here to magnify the enemy. We're here to magnify God. It's called the believer's authority. And we, uh, who, we who are in Christ, we need to know who we are and what we have. Um, and part of that authority it overcomes sickness. Part of that authority overcomes strife and uh, whatnot. There's all kinds of things that we could talk about, and, and including sin, you know, in areas of sin. But we, you know, it's we can't, you know. And I know there's been a lot of weird teaching out there, and I think it's some of it's weird. <coughs> Excuse me, too. But you know. And I can talk talk about that weird teaching with a lot of different topics, but if we don't, if we're ignorant, uh, the fact that we're in a spiritual warfare, then sometimes you know there, there's many sad side effects to that. Not only can they, uh, we're, we maybe sometimes take the the warfare against one another, or we're not fighting one another, but we also can be deceived because. Satan's number one weapon is deception. And the danger about deception is, <coughs> excuse me, is when you're deceived, you don't know it. That's, you know, if you knew that you were deceived, then you're not deceived. You just can't be deceived. You know, you, you just can't have, you can't be deceived and know it at the same time. That just can't happen. And so, there's a lot of things that the enemy uses. The enemy will... I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but the enemy can even use scripture, religion, Christian religion, 
<coughs> I didn't say Christianity, I said Christian religion. Big difference there. And, um, you know, we're against religion. We teach against religion. We're talking about relationship with God. And um, there's many things that the enemy will use as, uh, in, 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 uh, under the umbrella uh, of spiritual warfare. Satan so can also use people. And in using people, he can also use Christians. He can use your loved ones. He can use, you know, even pastors, you know. And I'm not against any one of these people. We looked at already in times past how in one instance the Holy Spirit reveals something to Peter. In the very next instance, the Satan reveals something to Peter. In the same chapter, within <coughs> verses of each other, Jesus was commending Peter for getting a revelation from the Holy Spirit. And then he was condemning the words that Peter spoke. He wasn't condemning Peter, Peter he was condemning the words that he spoke. Big difference. And so, and then he, Andrew, used the, the, the illustration with his mom at uh, one time when they were, uh, I believe, on a, a journey, a trip somewhere. I don't know if they were on vacation or not. <coughs> Excuse me. But when they, um, her, her, his son, her grandson, uh, it appeared to, from a natural standpoint, was getting a cold or getting sick. And, and she kept speaking to over him. She didn't realize she was doing that. That wasn't, I don't think, her intent. But, and he was, you know, they were try, uh, Andrew was at the beginning stages of knowing what he knows today and teaches what he teaches today. And he was rebuking this this cough. His son had picked up a cough. And he was rebuking it. But while all this going on, his mom was just claiming, he's got a cold, he's got a cold, you know. And, and she didn't mean anything evil or wrong by it. But at the same point in time, she was claiming something that, uh, contrary to what Andrew was rebuking. And so... Um, so it was counterproductive, and finally it came to a point where, where, where Andrew had to say, "Get behind me, Satan!" to his mom. Satan wasn't Andrew wasn't calling his mom Satan, but the words that she was saying was, yeah, you know, and she was a little offended at the at the time being, but he was able to console her and and and, and let her know, "I'm not rebuking you. I'm rebuking the words that you said." That you were saying at the time, you know, and well, we got to realize we're in a spiritual battle. You know, the enemy can use people, our loved ones, to get us off track regarding all kinds of stuff, including healing. For in this instance, I was talking about with Andrew and his son and whatnot, and and other things. And so, anyway, well, again, I apologize in advance for some distractions we might have with this little one. This is Gracie, and so she's trying to learn some grace. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, to put it mildly. So anyway, uh, so we're, we're, we're still training her. So anyway, bear with us. You know, Andrew and Dave are both talking about the deception of the enemy and negativity. And just when you speak out of lack of faith, and uh, Andrew's story was, you know, his mom kept saying, oh, your son's going to get sick, your son's going to get sick, your son's going to get sick. At the same time, Andrew was believing God and God's word, and finally he had enough, and he wasn't—he wasn't like Dave or Andrew himself said, saying that his mom was Satan. He's saying that the the lack of faith and the ne negativity that she was listening to 
was from Satan. Just like Dave's example of, of Peter um, when Jesus said, Get behind me, Satan. And it always uh, brings me back to Jeremiah when you're talking about the blessed man and the cursed man. Both, both men are... They both have bad happen and they both have good happen. But the cursed man is only seeing all the negativity. Woe is me. This happened to me. This person hurt me. Uh, I lost my job. My dog ran away. You know, I had a car accident. And all the, all the negative things in life, seeing the drought, but never seeing any of the good that God had come his way. On the other hand, the blessed man, even though he had bad things happen to him, he didn't see that because he was so single-minded, focused on Jesus and trusting in God that God would make a way in the desert when there is no way. God would restore family. God would heal his broken heart. He only saw the, the good in his life came from his heavenly father who was the the father of light the only uh, gifts that the father gives are good gifts and which one flourished the the cursed man was just in the desert withering away as a shrub but the blessed man was so saturated with his relationship with God and only seeing and focusing on God, that he was a tree flourishing by the waters, full of life, green and lush and bearing fruit. And, you know, that's what we are to be as Christians, having a relationship with God, knowing who we are in Christ, knowing the authority that God gave us through Jesus Christ, and living that abundant life. All right, well, we're going to go ahead and get back into the book tonight. I know some of you might not have the book. We're going to read it to you. Sherry's going to read, and I'm going to narrate, unless we have some distractions uh, with the puppy. But anyway, uh, we're in Chapter 1. We're talking about, we're still, Chapter 1, talking about one spiritual warfare. I think we're in the section titled Stress in the Max. Yes. Okay, so anyway, Sherry's going to read for us, and then we're going to go from there. We are in a spiritual battle. Unfortunately, most of the time, people don't recognize it. They're just looking at things from a natural human perspective. They factor God, the devil, and the whole supernatural realm right out of the equation. The average person doesn't realize the spiritual dynamics taking place. God doesn't send bad things our way. It's not just happenstance or fate. There's a real enemy out there that we must learn to deal with. The first time I tried to produce a book was about 20 years ago. It was my Life for Today Gospels Edition Study Bible and Commentary, which is almost 600 pages long. This was going to be a major expense. At that time, my ministry income was so low that to come up with $50,000 to print a book was two or three months worth of income for me. This project was really stretching me to the max. A number of different publishers came and offered to help us with the project. One offered to reduce our cost to $27,000 if we would pay right away. They said, we're in a bind and need the money. If you pay right away, we'll give you this discount. So I went to my partners, raised the money, more than a month's worth of income at the time, and gave it to them. This was a major deal for us. 
Within a month, I learned that the salesman had run off with our money. In fact, he'd burned several, several other well-known preachers at the same time. I remember when I heard this news, my employee said, this salesman just took our $27,000. We're going to have to come up with an additional $45,000 just in the next week or so to be able to make this project work. Altogether, we're looking at about $70,000. My first reaction was shock. Is this really true? Then came a fleshly twinge of wanting to beat up the salesman. But I recognized who the real culprit was. Satan had come against me and was trying to steal from me. Immediately, Proverbs 6.31 came to mind. But if a thief be found, he shall restore sevenfold. He shall give all the substance of his house. I recognized that this wasn't just a person trying to steal from me. Obviously, there were demonic entities working behind the scenes. So within seconds of getting this news, I realized, this is the devil stealing from me, and I've caught him. Therefore, according to the word of God, I demand it back seven times. Immediately, I took a piece of paper and figured out seven times $70,000. Instead of being angry, depressed, and hurt, I started dancing and praising God, saying, Hallelujah! This is awesome! I am getting $490,000 back this year. As I continued praising God, that situation never did get me down or discouraged. When that year was over, we had increased nearly to the penny, $490,000, exactly seven times the amount of money that was taken from us. That was back during a period of time when our entire income was only about $500,000 a year. We nearly doubled our income that year. What could have been a tragic scenario turned into a positive situation because I recognized that I'm not fighting flesh and blood. I'm fighting a spiritual battle with spiritual weapons against spiritual enemies. I realized that Satan was trying to come against me and then acted on the word. You know, I like this example. Uh, again, this is one of the first books I read from Andrew Womack back in 2009. And, uh, you know, I, 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 and he, he's quoting from uh, Proverbs, uh, let me get the reference again, Proverbs 631, but if a thief be found, he should restore sevenfold, and he shall give all the substance of his house. Based on everything we, we taught so far, and I, I don't have time to reteach everything we talked the last couple of weeks, but, you know, again, we're in a spiritual warfare. And our warfare is not against men, it's against the devil. He's the real culprit. Even with this example, with Andrew who talked about with the salesman taking advantage of him, you know, Andrew was wise enough to know that as, as crooked as that uh, salesman was, stealing uh, $70,000, or actually selling, stealing $27,000 from him, you know, he realized that the real culprit wasn't the salesman, the real culprit was the devil. And Satan, and, and uh, Andrew demanded, uh, he did the math on $70,000, 70 times 7 is $490,000. He demanded seven times back. $490,000 in his testimony was they, they actually made that, and they brought that in extra in that year. Point being, you know, and I've taken this many times through the years. You know, uh, a few months ago, just before we got this puppy, Gracie, we were actually scammed on another dog. Uh, you know, and, and we demanded that money back from the devil, or he's going to owe us seven times more. We did the math, and we knew when, I don't have that figure under me, 
Uh, we, uh, you know, we even got the police involved and whatnot. But, you know, we got the money back. We got it back. You know, we were told, no, we couldn't get it back, and, but we got it back. You know, you know, <clears throat> you know what, one of the points we're, we're, we're leaving, we're talking about believer's authority. And right now, in this instance, we're just talking about some finances. There's so many categories and topics we can talk about. But in this particular time, we're talking about finances. You know, the enemy can't steal from me. If he does, he's going to owe me seven times more, whatever he tries to steal from me, financially speaking. You know, there's some other areas where the enemy's tried to steal from us through the years and whatnot. Hey, you know, um, you know uh, and as much as, <coughs> you know, we're not, we're not uh, the richest people in the world, but, you know, Sherry and I, and we've had some challenges. We've had some, uh, um, you know, wake-up calls, but we're actually doing better financially now than we've done in a long time. You know, uh, we're just, God's good. Sometimes we get free stuff. I mean, I'll just give you one example. Uh, a couple of years ago, I forget the, which year it was, but we just, uh, through our ministry and whatnot, we, we kept, there was a, one or two ministries that were going under or changing their grants or whatever, and we got uh, a garage full of furniture. Most of the furniture in our home right now is some of that furniture, including some stuff for our <coughs> our church, our, our children's ministry, whatnot. And so at one point we had, uh, I forget how many beds, but we had at least seven couches in our garage, seven, five refrigerators. I think it was 11 beds we had, uh, plus all kinds of other furniture and whatnot. And we were either able to sell it and put the money into our church fund, or we were able to give it to needy families, brand new furniture, or, and so it was good. Could I interrupt? Yeah. And the the neat thing about this uh, this year when we were given all of this, we like Dave said, we met several needy families. I had actually run into an old friend uh, that I had worked with for a while, and we lost contact. And when I ran into her, just at the oddest situation um, we got to talking and she just you know asked uh, us to remember her her son who was getting on his feet and getting their own place finally and so I asked well what are their needs are and she's like well they have most of their stuff but they don't have beds for the kids and I, I said we have those beds for you, brand new beds that um, our ministry had been given. So please, all you need to do is come pick them up. So we we're able to, to bless someone that way. Uh, but that was a really neat uh, series of events because it seemed like any time we tried and did uh, give people away or even sold some of it, then there'd be more furniture come in. And it was just a neat uh a cycle that that God had for us at that time. You know, what does a lot of this have to do with this sevenfold? You know, uh, what money, what, what money went stolen from us that we got all this furniture? The way I look at it, uh, some people know our story. Between 2009 2013, we lost everything. We had to sell and get rid of all of our furniture that had already been given to us by other means. We were down to nothing as far as furniture. We had lost almost everything, and. 
to have seven times, I mean, seven living room furniture, seven refrigerators, uh, 11 beds in our garage, you know, to me, that was part of that sevenfold coming back. You know, I, yeah, we wasted five years, and, and yet, uh, you know, God's been good to us. And uh, <coughs> uh, anyway, just, this is a principle. You know, I'm not going to beat this out more than it is, but if you've been robbed, you've been stolen from, You've been taken advantage of, you know. Um, you know, I'm not. I'm not saying to a certain degree you can't prosecute, but the that the real enemy is not the the con artist. The real enemy is Dan and Satan. And you could the Bible says, and how many of you know the Word of God gives us all authority we have. But if the thief be found, he shall restore sevenfold, and he shall give all the substance of his house. You know, somebody, how, where did I, I can, that's one scripture, but how many times have we seen in the Old Testament when the Israel, they took over a country that had been attacking them, that they got all the spoils of the land and were able to bless the people? You know, uh, and, 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 you know, if, when the enemy attacks us, especially in the area of finances, that's what we're talking about, he, he's, he, he, he bit the wrong dog. <laughs> You know, he, just, he and when we know who we are and what we have, we can demand from Satan sevenfold of his own house. We can spoil the enemy with sevenfold back to use it for the kingdom of God. Andrew did. We have, and you know, and we're still getting uh, things come in. You know. Uh, a little while ago, I'm not going to go into all detail, uh, but uh, we had some people take advantage of us in another way. And yet God has brought us, God, God gave my wife Sherry a job that brings three times as much money. Uh, we now have an Airbnb where we're able to, to bring people in. Uh, my, I have a business I'm trying to get off the ground with Notary Napa still. <coughs> you know, uh, uh, there's so many different things where we have. We're almost at a point where we're we're working on. We don't have them all established, but we but we almost have five streams of income. You know, we're not quite there yet. We're we're trying to. We will get there. Uh, and something I've always wanted. You know, uh, while a lot of people are struggling right now, we're actually going forward. And I praise God for that because God's our source. And anyway, I can tell you story after story after story. But what I like about Andrew's uh, example was he didn't focus on Satan. He recognized that it was from Satan, but then he he focused on God and rejoiced in God that that what God's word said is true and that God would take care of them. And you know when we went through the five years um, that Davis is talking about. Yes, we had some bad days, I, I, I'll be honest and say that, where we felt discouraged. But for the most part, uh, I'm still amazed at, at how well we took it because we knew that, that God was our source. And we trusted Him and we had joy. And we're actually able to be a witness to a lot of people who, uh, who were also going through some horrible stuff. But when they saw the peace that we had and the joy that we had, uh, it, it really was a testimony and uh, it's just our, we do need to recognize what it is that it, yes, uh, something was stolen from us and, and who stole it from us, but we very much need 
to turn our focus on uh, God. All right, we got one more little section to close this out, which Andrew's probably going to piggyback on everything he just said here, too. And, and then we'll, we'll go into chapter, under territory. I've actually loaned people money before who have never paid me back. They said they would, but for whatever reason, they didn't. Instead of taking an offense and getting mad at the person, I recognize that this is Satan. Of course, the person cooperated in some measure and allowed him to do it. But I recognize that the devil was trying to get me into unforgiveness. So I just forgive them. My attitude is, hey, just take it as a gift. I'm not going to sit here and harbor any animosity over this. It's not worth it. You might think, man, I'd never do something like that. But I recognize that there is a spiritual battle raging and nobody is going to rent space in my mind. Nobody's going to occupy my heart except God. I refuse to harbor unforgiveness toward anyone. I will not allow bitterness, even a toehold in my life. I'm aware that Satan uses such things as an inroad against me. Like it or not, there's a spiritual battle raging right now for your heart and mind. As you think in your heart is the way that you'll be. Proverbs 23:7. Your thoughts become what you say and do, with your actions being the greatest expression of your authority. Therefore, you'll be influenced, dominated, and ruled by whomever you yield yourself to, God or Satan. The title of that section was Who's Influencing Who? So it kind of goes with, you know, we're in a battle, but it's not people, it's, it's the enemy, it's Satan. You know, and uh, we've loaned people out money, and they didn't pay us back. You know, uh, and it's we have just we have just uh, we finally resolved in our heart: if we loan people money, we have no expectation to get it back. We just one we don't we would rather uh, uh, sever the friendship or whatever than to get all bitter. And some people think, well, a friend who doesn't pay you back is not a friend, and I get that. I, I can go there and split hairs on that, but you know what? The, uh, I just wrote, you know, God's my source, not them, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, I just, you, you know, I, I can get so, I can go so many directions with this, but, you know, most, most, when, when we teach marriage counseling for new couples and even couples who are having an issue, we talk a lot about, uh, you know, expectations, especially in newlyweds, you know, the, the love bug, the love bug I bit. And sometimes love again can be blind, and we, but we just try to give a little bit of a reality course, you know. You know, five months into the marriage, a year from the marriage, you know, what, your pet peeves are going to start coming out. What are some of those pet peeves? What are some of your expectations? Who's going to feed the kids? Who's going to who, Who's going to work? Who's going to get groceries? Who's going to pay the bills? You know, um, there's different expectations. I mean, sky's the limit on what those expectations are. And most uh, conflict happens because of an expectation wasn't, excuse me, met. Whether that's in a marriage or on a job with an employer-employee re uh, relationship, you know. I mean, I, I, I do this with employees, employers, you know. It's just, uh, what are your expectations with this job? What is your expectations of me as your employer, you know? Uh, what's your expectations of me of your employee? You know, it just... Uh, because that's where conflict begins. If I didn't meet your expectations, same thing. It, it can happen in friendships and partnerships and business accounts, uh, uh, whatnot. 
the expectations. And so when I, you know, I can't get offended if I don't even have an expectation of them uh, paying me back. <laughs> I, I just, I saved myself the expense of getting better and bent out of shape over something I didn't even have an expectation on. You know, and, uh, and, and, uh, and it, when I did have an expectation, you know, uh, there's been times where we've brought people in and said, you don't have to pay us anything. You just do what God leads you to do. But then sometimes, uh, and then I've had other, other people say, you know, we said we're going to go into a agreement together on something. Now I have an expectation. And when that, they don't come through, now I'm upset. I actually set myself up for defeat by doing that. But at the same point in time, you know, uh, I'm trying to bring this back, you, you know, um, who, who, who's influencing who? You know, I, I don't have to be influenced by the devil. I don't have to serve my flesh and my emotions. You know, I, uh, um, there's something that I was going to piggyback on here, you know. Um, uh, this last paragraph. Like it or not, there's a spiritual battle raging right now for your heart and your mind. As you think in your heart, as you, as you think in your heart is the way that you'll be. As a, in other words, Proverbs says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Your thoughts become, become what you say and do with your actions, being the, the greatest expression of your authority. Therefore, you'll be influenced, dominated, and ruled by whoever you yield yourself to, God or Satan. You know, there's just so much here. I, I, I wish... And I pray that you can get this. I cannot win a special battle right now, raging in your, for your heart and mind. Both God and Satan are fighting for your heart and for your mind. That you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. To be naturally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life of peace. God wants your heart. He wants your mind. So does Satan. Who has your heart? Who is dominated in your mind? Because whoever has your heart, whoever has your mind, will be Lord over your actions and the things that you say and the things that you do, the things that you get offended over. So who has your mind? He said all these different things, and he didn't even, he, there's so many different categories we could talk about. But who has your heart? You know, most relationships, marriages have conflict over finances. You know, he just talked a little bit about finances. But who has your heart? Who has your mind? And when God has your heart and God has your mind, it's going to be harder for the enemy to control your actions, your behaviors, the things that you say, the lust of the flesh, because God has your heart. And there's a warfare. And right now, there's a lot of stuff flowing around on Facebook and social media about this country. I don't like what's going on in this country. I think and there's a place where we speak up about what's going on in our country. I'm a patriot. But at the same point in time, I, I posted a couple verses on Facebook this week from Psalm where, where God says, Don't fret when, they, when it feels like the wicked are, 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 are blaspheming. Trust in God. God's my source. There is a place to, with the, to be righteously angry. There is a place for that. And there's a place to stand. And there's a place to make a difference. And there's a place to get involved in a civil way. But at the same point in time, none of that is my source. God is my source. 
And while, all, all, while there's a lot going on out there, there's people who need Jesus. They need hope. We have a hope. We have a message. We have a rock that we built our house on. The storm is great. <coughs> I believe we're in the middle of World War Three. We're at the beginning stages of World War Three. Some people might not take it that far, and that's fine. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna argue that. But at the same point in time, have we live? We are in times of war in our country and in our world. But even in then, even in times of war, I believe we need to have a firm foundation in knowing who we are. In God. Because we can get up and out of shape real quick. And if we don't know we're in a war. And we don't know what side we're on. <coughs> and we don't know who our commander in chief is. And we're not going to listen to him. You know. You know. We're going to be kind of like this puppy dog. Who just. He can. You know. He needs to know that we're pack leader. He needs to know. She, I mean, she needs to know that we're, we're, we're the boss. You know. And she doesn't have to fret. Because we're going to feed her. We're going to take care of her needs. That's not her responsibility. That's ours. And we can trust God. We can trust God. We need we need to be puppy trained, if you will. We need to be sheep trained. And knowing that He's our shepherd. He's our God. He's our master. And we can trust Him in times of war. There's a time to speak. There's a time even to fight. But uh, there's a time to... But even then, we're not doing it out of haste. We're not doing it out of spite. We're not doing it out of revenge and anger. We're doing it in the name of the Lord. You know. Uh, there's a, day, a time like David when the Goliath comes. How dare the circumcised Philistine defy the armies of God. David didn't fret. David wasn't bent out of shape. David didn't go on some. I mean didn't have social media. But if they did he wasn't posting on Facebook. You know all these different things about Goliath. No he just took the guy out. You know in the name of the Lord. And so you know. And the real culprit was not even Goliath. The real culprit was Satan. And, and there's so much I can elaborate on a lot of that. Anything you want to pick back in? Oh, there's so much, uh, but I know we need to be succinct because of, of time. But it all boils down to, to quote Joshua, and I won't uh, take the time to look up the verse, but Joshua... Uh, in the Bible, Joshua basically drew a line in the sand and said, choose this day whom you will serve. And he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that's what we all need to do. We need to choose. Do I let offense or bitterness or anger or whatever be Lord in my life and cause all the the wreckage that that produces? Or... Do I trust God, like in the stories with Andrew and, and Dave about, you know, people taking advantage, stealing money or which, whichever it might be, um, and, and choosing to focus on God instead of, oh my gosh, this person has done me wrong, uh, I'm going to get them back, you know, they deserve punishment, they deserve wrath, they deserve me to take them out. You know, that's that's just a big waste of our time and resources and it's detrimental to our health even, our physical health, our mental health, uh, by letting bitterness and offense take root and produce all sorts of bad fruit when instead we can focus on God and bear good fruit 
and let the joy of the Lord uh, lead us with peace and joy and health. You know, uh, where's the, the the verse that that's the, that's the prayer? I pray that you prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. You know, spirit, soul, and body. Uh, you know, Dave and I want you guys to, to prosper and be in good health uh, in every which way. So anyway, so I guess my big takeaway from this whole chapter so far, I know we're barely getting into the study, is that we're in a war. And what's, what? It, it's not about the finances. It's not about this or that. Yes, the enemy's out to kill, steal, and destroy. We know that. And I'm not trying to minimize that. But what's he really after? He's after your heart. He's after your mind. You And so that's what he's after. You know? Uh, he's after to destroy you in any which way he can. Yes, and, if, and destroying you. But in one sense, taking you out is one thing. But if he can destroy your heart and your mind, he can use you to take other people out. And that's uh, he gets he gets more accomplished that way. And so, with you ever meet someone who's bitter? They're just you know they're just they're a train wreck. And so, um, he's after your heart and your mind. He wants to, you know, Satan has always wanted worship for himself. He's out there. He, he, he you know, it's like this puppy. He wants always wants attention. <laughs> you know, a toddler wants attention, and she'll fight for it. That's why a minute ago, if you didn't know, she was nipping at us. She wanted our attention. <laughs> we weren't giving to her right now. You know, and uh, so we had to do some discipline to get her to calm down. But, uh, you know, it just, uh, 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 Satan wants our attention. And so he he wants your heart, he wants your mind, and we need to realize that. The very next chapter, with that leads us to chapter 2, Whom He May Devour. That's the next chapter here. When you yield yourself to sin, you're serving Satan, who is the author of that sin. But when you yield yourself to obedience, you serve God, who is the author of that righteousness. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Romans 6.16 In this spiritual battle, your actions are very important. Most people recognize that actions are important in the physical realm. You know that there are consequences for what you do. If you're speeding while driving, you could get a ticket or cause a wreck. The ticket could cost money and put points on your license. The wreck could damage cars or even cost someone their life. When we talk negatively about someone, we can hurt their feelings or even loose demonic powers over them. There's much more to life than just this physical, natural surface level. Spiritual dynamics are constantly taking place. Whether or not the person you're speaking evil about ever knows it, you'll be affected. Venting anger, frustration, resentment, or unforgiveness affects you whether it affects anyone else or not. I've actually ridden with people who are very vocal in traffic when someone cuts them off. They've told me, that person doesn't know what I said. They didn't hear me. It doesn't matter whether they ever heard you or not. If you get angry and bitter, you've just yielded yourself to Satan. Whether you recognize it or not, the devil is the one who influences us to respond in the wrong way. 
All right, so uh, again, we're in chapter two, talk about who he made the bower. You know, we're in a war, we're in a warfare, the same wants to devour. You know, uh, going back to this, I, mean, I just always want to go to the book of James. Let's go there real quick. James, I think it's chapter four or five. It says, uh, you know, I, I just got, I give it a little more t uh, territory here. Start at verse 6, we're in James 5, 6. Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, step fast in faith, knowing that the same suffering you experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Um, anyway, there's, there's a lot here. But it's just, uh, you know, through the years I always thought these were different trains of thought. Just different verses to memorize. And I've, through the years I've memorized these verses from different times of my life. But he says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you. Cast your cares upon him, and he, for he cares for you. You know, and then he goes on, then he goes on to be sober and diligent, be, and diligent because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, so he can make devour. Be sober. He's not talking about drunkenness. You know, there's a verse also in the book of Proverbs, I think it's chapter 1, where it talks about, be, talks about sobriety. But again, it's not talking about drunkenness. Do you know when uh, when there's a tragedy, when you are maybe angry, fit to be tied about something, like the things going on in our country, in our world right now, or maybe there's been a, a trauma, uh, an accident, some tragedy of some nature, you know, or... Whatever the case might be, maybe you're about ready to lose. You, you've, you've been on furlough for a lot of time. You've been laid off. You don't know how you're going to make ends meet. You know, if you don't get a hold of your emotions, if you don't get a hold of, get some sobriety in your, in your, because he talked about casting cares upon him for he cares for you. If you don't cast your cares upon him and you keep holding on to those time, things in your own mind and your own emotions, you can be so drunken. You can be so distracted. And so intoxicated by your emotions, whether that be anger, depression, uh, all kinds of different negative emotions. And uh, if you don't get some sobriety there, and you, you know, and, and, and from being intoxicated by these thoughts, they're just, <coughs> you ever worry? And just, you know, almost every sickness comes from worry, stress, or uh, some sort. If you don't get some. Stop being intoxicated by your problems, by the situation. Um, the devil is seeking who he may devour. And, you know, when the devil, when the lion, like a lion, when a lion seeks to devour someone, he will find the weakest one in the herd, in the bunch. And if you are stumbling around, uh, intoxicated by, you know, 
uh, whatever it might be, you know, about COVID, about this and that, finances, relationships, the tragedy. You need to count, you need you need to humble yourself beside before before the Lord so He can lift you up. What do you mean be humble? <coughs> you know, we heard a message from um, um, Pearsons, uh, Jeremy Pearsons, uh, back a, a few years ago. He was actually. Uh, sharing the platform with Andrew Womack in Phoenix, Arizona, a couple of years ago. Uh, Jeremy Pearson, so let you know, is a grand grandson of uh, um, Kenneth Copeland, and he, uh, Jeremy and his wife Sarah have their own ministry, and we actually showcase their ministry on our, our website. She's gifted with music and has written, written some worship songs, where he is a good teacher, and they they, they teach together. But anyway, uh, um, he made a, he had a message, and he talked about pride. He says, and he was actually uh, uh, teaching from this uh, scripture where it says, "God." Re the previous verse says, "God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble." He says, "You know, when you tell God, I got this,' that's pride. The most humble thing you can say, Lord, I need your help. Cast your cares upon Him." You know, when I teach humility, I, I teach of David Goliath. Saul, King Saul and the armies of Israel were wallowing in fear and insecurity. Insecurity is pride. Because pride, insecurity is focused on you. And they were wallowing in fear for 40 days as Goliath taunted them. And defied the armies of the living God. But David came on the scene and he's like... Who's this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And David came across as cocky to his brother. But David wasn't trusting himself, his stature. He was trusting God. That's humility. Humility is trusting God. Pride is saying, I can do this. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But without Christ, according to John 15, when unless I'm abiding in Him, I can do nothing. Pride says, I got this. Pride is taking your problems, the stress, <coughs> the cares of this world, including the things going on in our world right now, and taking it on your own shoulders and trying to fix it, trying to figure out how you're going to uh, navigate through it. Humility is saying, casting your cares upon Him, trusting Him. That is sober-mindedness. And if you, if, you know, the enemy is out seeking he may devour. But who is he going to devour? He's going to devour those who are so focused on themselves. They're so worried. They're so stressed out. They're so, they're, they're having panic and anxiety attacks. You know, God, it says in Isaiah 26, 3, he will keep a perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee because he trusts in thee. We can have perfect peace. Pride says, I got this. But humility says, I'm trusting God. And, and, and David, in trusting God, didn't just sit there. No, he said, I'm coming after you in the name of the Lord. He knew his authority. Because he who knew who his God was. And he knew he had authority over that, that giant. And there's things that we know. We, but, you know, if we... You know, we can say we can look at our circumstances and say these circumstances are controlling my life. No, that that's backwards. You are your circumstances is not your Lord. Jesus is Lord. 
and and you know uh, if your circumstances are taunting you, telling you what who's boss, then it's time to tell your circumstances about your God, the way David talked to Goliath about his God, which was the same God. <laughs> you know, we, it's time for us to use our authority and say, "By His stripes I'm healed." My God shall meet my needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. God is going to meet my needs. I don't care if we're in a recession, depression, the stock market. That I don't even even if the dollar crashes. God, I'm part of His economy, and my God said He's going to meet my needs. Don't worry about the things I'm going to eat, what I'm going to wear. For my Heavenly Father knows that I need these things. He even said, don't give no thought to it. Remember in the last chapter we were talking about how the enemy is out there our mind. Don't even think about what you need. I'm not saying don't work. No, we need to work. You don't work, you shouldn't eat. Paul said that. I agree with that one. At the same point in time, you know, but he also says in Psalm 90 verse 17 that he will bless the work of your hands. His beauty will bless the work of your hands. He will do it. As you trust in. It says delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the size of your heart. Commit your way to him. Trust in him. And he will bring the path. What's your part to do? Com- commit your way to him. Trust in him. You know when you commit your way to him. If God's told you to do something. And more likely he has. Then you need to do what he's called you to do. As you're committing your way to him. Doing what he's called you to do. Trust in him. Not yourself. Not what you're doing. Trust in him. He will bring it to pass, not you. He will be the source. And so, anyway, there's so much I'm talking about right now, I don't know if I'm I'm making sense with it at all. You know, it's just, there's just a theme, it seems to me, uh, going through, or maybe just how I'm processing it. It, It's just, you know, what, what our focus is on. You know, Andrew shared his story about the salesman stealing the money for them uh, and he didn't focus on who done him wrong, focus on God and rejoiced. Um, David in the in the story of David and Goliath didn't focus on this this giant who was overwhelming Israel. He focused on his God and um, you know whoever who, ever focuses on God gets that perfect peace uh, that Dave just quoted and it just goes back to just who our focus is on who is our Lord and thriving thriving in that and you know if our focus is on the devil and what he's doing wrong to us or or the offense that someone caused you know, in a sense, it's thriving. Weeds thrive, and, you know, we need to get them out. And you really, you know, I, I just, from personal experience, when I found myself getting into bitterness and offense and anger, uh, I took a stand and said, Lord, help me with this because I am not letting this in my life. This will destroy me. And uh, praise God, he helped me so that instead of giving in to to bitterness and um, offense and anger, uh, he, God's really blessed me with, uh, I don't know if fortitude is the right word, but just uh, 
seeing the people, even who have done us wrong, with uh, the the eyes that God would have me see them with, that you know, realizing that they've opened the door to Satan, and to me that's scary because that that could lead into a lot of horrible things and uh, God's really given me compassion for these people and um, so if I get upset at anything anyone um, God has really helped me and I'm just bringing up something that I've grown in to help you guys um, because I I don't want you to accidentally or even on purpose let Satan in with the offense and bitterness and I'm going to get this person because they got me. You know, that's just that's just opening a lot of doors you don't want to open. And instead, focus on God because, like Dave said earlier, God is our source. Uh, he is our peace. He is our righteousness. And uh, he'll make a way when there's no way. All right. How are we out of time? Yeah, we're, we're basically out of time. I don't know. I hope you're following what we're trying to get at here. We're barely breaking into it, so bear with us. We're going to get into some deeper stuff. But we need to know who we are. And we need to know we're in a warfare. And Satan's going to try to devour us. But we need to keep our minds focused on him. We need to seek him. We need to uh, be, you know, I talked about this whole sobriety thing. You know, I, t I ministered to one person several, a uh, few years ago. And I mentioned something about we need to be sober-minded and and this person did have a problem with alcohol. And I wasn't even talking about alcohol. And they got offended uh, that I was addressing their alcohol. Uh, that, that needed to be addressed too. But uh, uh, I wasn't addressing that at the moment. I was just talking about, uh, you know, our minds. You ever been around someone who's just worried? Uh, I mean, I've been there. I've been, I've been times when I was just worried and anxious. You know, something fit to be tired about something. I get that. But that's, you know, I can be very intoxicated about what's going on in our world and different things. And at times, I think the circumstances we found ourselves in, I can be very intoxicated by that. Or I can cast my cares upon him, trusting him because he cares for me. Humbling myself in the sight of the Lord so he can lift me up. And because uh, I don't want the enemy to devour me. But he can devour me if I'm intoxicated by the cares of this world, the secretness of riches, and the cares of uh, and the pride of life, and all these different things that it talks about in the in the par parable of the sower, you know. And so, uh, uh, there's another proverb that says, "Guard your heart with all diligence, because out of it flows the issues of life." We have to guard our heart because the enemy's after our heart. And if he can get you, you know, I keep focusing on what's going in the world events right now because. It's all over the news. I mean, it, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty right now. You know, we just have, we have some evil leaders in the country. It's just, I'm not going to get all that right now. But our hearts need to be fixed on the Lord. Jesus said that many hearts, many hearts were waxed cold because of the things coming on the earth. We cannot afford to, folks. We are in a war. But where, where do we need to camp? <coughs> we need to be like David, knowing who our God is. We have a covenant relationship with God. So we need to humble ourselves before the Lord. We need to cast our cares upon Him. 
We need to be focused on, if there's ever a time to focus on the Lord, now's the time. I mean, there's never not been a time, but that's, he, he's where our help comes from. You know, you're going to go crazy. Uh, some people have already gone crazy because they're focused on the, what's going on in the world and not God. That's, it's, it's, it's a recipe for disaster. We need to trust the Lord. We worship, we worship him. You know, if you get Andrew's uh, monthly news uh, newsletter, the Gospel Truth, uh, he ha- he has an article in it about being positive in a negative world, and to me, it goes with our lesson. And I encourage you to look that up. Um, you know, I I think it'd be very encouraging. Lord, we just worship you. We magnify you. We do pray for our world. We do pray for our country. For regional levels of government. But Lord, we, we magnify you. You are the king of all kings. You are the Lord of all lords. And we worship you and we magnify you. You are our king and you are our God. We bless everyone who's been listening to us tonight and those who may be listening to archives as we go forward. But we worship you. Help us to know who we are, where we are believers and we have authority. We worship you. We magnify you. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great night. We'll see you on Sunday. Sunday morning, we'll live stream about 11.15 a.m. All right. God bless.